What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and host of the What to Know podcast show. I am here live at Health to, the Health 2.0 conference. And uh, joining me is Stephen Lockhart. Stephen is the CMO, which is Chief Medical Officer, not Marketing Officer, of Sutter Health. Uh, welcome, Stephen. We're happy to have you here. Thank you very much, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm interested because I think we have some meaty topics to talk about today, one of which will be health equity. But I would like to walk through a little bit of your background because uh, I'm always fascinated when you take someone that has done the diligence or due diligence to become a medical professional. You're non-practicing right now, but you are the chief medical officer. So bringing that medical uh, experience together with business experience, what inspired you to head down that path? Well, Aaron, um, I started out as a clinician uh, years ago, and actually one of my passions in uh, going into healthcare at all was to both take care of patients and also to look at how healthcare was was provided. Um, I grew up uh, as an African-American kid in the 60s, early 70s, and certainly my experience with healthcare then was not the same as others who didn't look like me. So there were a whole lot of issues there around how healthcare was provided that uh, had a direct impact on you know, my life and the people that I knew around me. So uh, although I definitely wanted to go and take care of people and try to be a healing hand for others, um, I definitely was also interested in how healthcare was provided. Um, and that led me uh, after college, you know, after studying mathematics in college to go to Oxford where I actually did a graduate degree in economics and statistics around uh, the hospital waiting list in the British National Health Service and looking at how that care was provided in a system of socialized medicine. Then went to medical school, uh, continued in graduate school where I did my PhD in statistics and, you know, uh, along the way have continued to be interested in how healthcare is provided and that's really led me to ultimately this role at Sutter Health um, after 25 years of practicing clinically uh, was to really say okay let's look at health systems what they do how they relate to the provision of healthcare throughout the country and is there a role that I could potentially play in helping to shape that future. So it's clear you like to learn. You spent a lot of time schooling, and you also are uh, about doing good, literally doing good, not just doing well, because um, you all you are also on the board of directors of Nature Bridge. Um, we can talk about that in a minute. Let's talk a little bit about Sutter Health, though, because I, I know living here in Northern California, we know you guys pretty well. Not everyone may know you. Talk a little bit about your mission and purpose and sort of how you contribute to that. Sure. So Sutter Health, for those who don't know us, um, is a healthcare organization in Northern California who's uh, not, is a not-for-profit uh, system whose goal is to um, enhance the well-being of the communities we serve. Um, we take care of about 3.5 million patients in Northern California, which is obviously California is a state with the greatest degree of diversity and race, ethnicity, language. We take care of patients in rural and urban settings, and we're an integrated health system, which means that we really try to connect the dots to make sure that patients are cared for throughout their needs from cradle to grave, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, we also are an organization that uh, is mission-driven and takes care of more Medi-Cal and indigent patients than anyone else in Northern California. So it gives us a unique platform for understanding um, 
really many of the issues that healthcare providers throughout the country face um, because we, we're not a member organization, we're not, we don't, we're not limited very much geographically to the types of people we serve and certainly the diversity is there. So it forces us to really come up with solutions that are both targeted for the individual communities we serve and yet are integrated in a way that can help bring scale to uh, quality and outcomes for everybody that we serve. So that's a good segue. One, you spoke at the event, and two, we agreed that one of the things that we would talk about here is this idea of health equity, and I think you just sort of led up to that a little bit, but let's dig into that topic, and one, why is it passionate to you and Sutter, and what, are, what can we all be doing to sort of help move that in the right direction? Right. Well, I should uh, state, first of all, thank you for the question, Aaron, because uh, I think it's an important one uh, nationwide. Um, in 2003, the Institute of Medicine, through its uh, treatise called Unequal Treatment, um, noted that uh, health equity or equity of outcomes is uh, one of the key components of quality uh, of health care. Um, yet it's one of the greatest efficiencies that we have in this country. And so as I think about an organization like Sutter Health, where we do take care of such diverse people and communities, um, and we do have what I would consider, and I think objectively could be called very high quality outcomes. But when we put those outcomes on the board and on slides and we talk about them, the question is, is everybody able to access the same outcomes regardless of race, ethnicity, or any other defining gender, sexual orientation, any other defining feature? Does everyone get those same outcomes? Do they apply to all? Um, and I think uh, the question we've seen nationwide is probably not, that there are disparities that exist. And so what we want to understand at Sutter Health is, number one, how can we identify them? Secondly, how can we measure them? And thirdly, as a provider organization, what can we do to help manage and, and, and address these issues? Because it's one thing from a public health perspective to identify and describe and use descriptive statistics to say that this group performs less well than that group. But as a provider organization, understanding all the other social determinants of health, are there things that we can do? And I, and I do believe that providers can make a difference. Uh, we're not the entire solution, but the things we can do, we should do. So certainly a noble um, goal to go after. I think the... I'll ask what might seem like a controversial follow-up, which is, I think a lot of people have thought that seems great in practice, right? Uh, you have Northern Europe, you have Canada, where they have much more democratized healthcare systems. And one of the arguments is always, and maybe it's by people that want to sort of undermine it, is, well, you don't get the same quality of health that you would in the United States, where, yes, you have inequities, but you have some of the best healthcare access in the world for those that want it. So... What's the following? I'm sure you've heard that argument a number of times. Well, um, the systems are different, but the intentions should be the same. And I believe that uh, one of the things we as providers can, um, can do, which is independent of the, the overall payment methodology, whether it's a socialized system or a fee-for-service and so forth, is as a community-based organization, for example, with Sutter, we can engage with other community based organizations such as federally qualified health clinics, community organizations to provide support services, and try to integrate our care as much as possible with them so that we can make a difference. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, we have noted we created a health equity index to measure um, 
the disparities or inequities that exist among races uh, and people of different races and different ages uh, for ambulatory care sensitive conditions like asthma, diabetes, heart failure, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And when we looked at our uh, African American patients with asthma, they were disproportionately affected, adversely affected, uh, in terms of their propensity to come into the hospital for care that could be provided in an ambulatory environment. So that seems like that's a somehow a fixed problem that what can we do about it? But by partnering with federally qualified health clinics, making sure that our care is seamlessly integrated across by providing things like patient education, disease management, self-management programs, home visits, uh, community health worker programs, um, we've been able to, to make a, a little dent. Um, and now our question is, you know, how can we enhance that? impact and can we scale it but clearly we can show that we can make a difference and uh, my uh, my plea for all providers would be rather than throw up our hands and say it's the system to say the system definitely contributes but we also are very powerful within the system and there are things that we can do for the patients that we see that can make a difference so that's the challenge that I would put on the table for all of us to do. Well, I like that. I, I'm going to ask a follow-up, which is, it seems to me one of the ways that we also help with this is to continue to bring innovation into the system. And I think, I know you guys have a nice reputation for being innovative. Um, there are a few of you, you know, out there, Kaiser, I would put into that same bucket. What ways do you look? I mean, we're at the Health 2.0 conference. I've had conversations with some really interesting people from Veda Health, um, from the AMA, from 98.6. Clover Health, how do you interact with those ecosystems and how do you seek out the right partners to help bring that innovation in and maybe share your innovative mindset out with those same audiences? Right. Well, you make a great point. First of all, this conference has been really a wonderful opportunity to just get blown away by some of the incredible innovations that are out there. And uh, of course, when you see some of these innovations, you have to think about, okay, that may be an intended application, but maybe there's relevance in other places as well. So I think there's probably a lot there that we don't yet know uh, even uh, or don't understand or what, what the potential impact of some of these innovations can be. I was just on the panel and we saw some really great things about home hospitals and things like that that could really potentially revolutionize um, things. I think that I would make a couple points. One of the innovations that we have uh, been involved with is video visits, which doesn't sound particularly revolutionary, but, you know, a video visit something that can allow a patient, instead of coming to emergency room, access care on a, on a cell phone, which all of us have, um, and may prevent that unnecessary visit or may stop an asthma attack early. Or we found, for example, with our video visits, we were able to deploy them during the fires last year that impacted Northern California and Santa Rosa. We had patients in shelters who had their cell phone, but they didn't have their medication. They didn't know what they were, they did, couldn't see a doctor. We could manage their care from an entirely different location through a video visit. So I think the, uh, the technologies uh, can help. The other thing I think though, when we think about health equity is we have to make sure that the, the platform is uh, ready and accepting for the technology. In other words, what I mean by that is that the patients and the that we've considered all of the factors that are impacting the patients in their lives and their willingness to use and engage in technology. Um, otherwise, technology may just become something that sits 
sort of on the side and is not used appropriately because we haven't yet really engaged patients. But I think with patient engagement uh, in some of these health equity issues, technology can play an enormous role, primarily because uh, a lot of the solutions that we think about when we think about um, health equity, and I call it precision medicine of social determinants, right? You're really trying to go in and get the DNA of what is the problem within this particular group that is causing the outcomes that you're trying to fix. As we, as we look to launch those, um, those technologies, it's important that we, we understand, you know, really what that DNA is about. And uh, if we do that, um, we can then be very successful, I think. Well, thank you. That's, um, that's good food for thought. And no, it's, I think it's the thing that we all battle with, right? It's, it's hard to know. I, I think what I like the most about what you said is that patient engagement piece. It's this age old idea of UX, user experience and user interfaces. And as someone that I worked at Fidelity Investments a million years ago and working on the websites, you know, you come up with these super fancy designs, but at the end of the day, if they didn't work, then it didn't matter how fancy or how technical or how in, in, uh, innovative they were. So, you know, I like your sort of framing of, of how to think about that. Um, one last question before we get into some more personal questions. Uh, you obviously sit in the middle of a very smart ecosystem, looking out five or 10 years, some predictions or thoughts on where things are going. You mentioned the video um, visit certainly being one, even though it's happening now, like that scales, I'm sure. What else do you see happening that's really gonna revolutionize the way healthcare gets delivered? Right, and actually, thank you for bringing that up. You mentioned the word scale, because that is what the word, the word I was thinking about and meant to bring into the previous discussion, which is that so many of, of the interventions when we think about health equity, for example, are very labor intensive which is very difficult to scale. And so I do believe technology plays a huge role in scaling things, and also that leads to affordability and, and, and reduction in cost. So I think that, uh, there are, that, that technology is, plays a huge role. In Interestingly enough, even though people think of technology when it comes to robotic surgery and scanners and things as being very expensive and adding to the cost of care, I think there's a role for technology to reduce the cost of care uh, when it's when it's actually applied to the consumer. Um, so as we look forward, uh, you had asked sort of where I see things going. I, I see things, um, and they're on t two ends of the spectrum, the front end and the back end. On the front end, I really see that this innovation that we uh, have seen here at the conference and that we see happening uh, in Silicon Valley and other places is around uh, engaging the consumer and really making healthcare more accessible um, if you think about what it takes to uh, get an Uber and get a dinner reservation, uh, you know, you can do that in about five minutes. Um, but if you want to get to see your doctor and get a prescription refilled, it takes five days. So uh, patients and consumers' expectations are that, that, it, that healthcare, which is far more critically important to your well-being, should at least be accessible as an Uber or an open table reservation. So I think there'll be a lot of work there. There has been a lot of work there, and I think we'll see some ad adoption and success on the front end. That said, I think that the other place where I see things going is in this idea of Sutter, for example, is an integrated healthcare system, and I think that a move towards integration is very, very important if we want to improve the quality of outcomes 
uh, because the fragmentation of our healthcare system is what's led to the poor outcomes. If you look at the the outcomes in the in the developed world, we're like number 21 or something. We're we're not, you know, we spend more money than anyone else in the developed world, and we have some of the poorest outcomes, and that's because of fragmentation. So integration is going to help that, and I think that's going to be very important. And technology plays a role. It's not the entirety of it, but through the electronic health record and becoming a real important variation reduction tool across a system of healthcare. I know in Sutter Health we have one instance of EPIC, which is our electronic health record we use, that goes across all of our three and a half million patients. And what that's done is allowed us to really have care pathways and protocols that are linked and that go across the continuum of care. Uh, I think we're going to see more of that, at least I hope we do. Um, what that does is that builds scale within the system. And so the challenge is going to be how do we use the, the integration platform, the integrated care platform to improve quality, but that makes us all a little bit bigger. And how do we do that at the same time we maintain the flexibility, creativity, adaptability, and innovation that comes from being small and innovative on the front end, which is what I think a lot of the companies and, and uh, folks here at this conference are trying to do. So there's a place for both, there's a role for both, and I think marrying the two is where we have the opportunity for a very big win for healthcare. Well, it makes good sense. I'd like to do a follow-on, which is there's this movement now of Aetna going into the CVS Minute Clinics and Walmart talking about this idea of actually owning their own sort of, you know, healthcare system. Um, there's certainly a benefit to bringing medicine to the people because telemedicine is obviously the other end of that. But I'm sure this is something that comes up in your internal discussions to the degree you can discuss that. You know, have you talked about maybe going into Target or some sort of physical locations where you can be that integrated physically coming to where people are versus having to have them reach out to you or, you know, being better across the existing infrastructure? Yes, I do think that's the next uh, wave. Um, and I guess the only question that I have that I don't have an answer to um, and we've certainly considered things like CVS and others and being able to be more present. We have our own walk-in clinics and express clinics and urgent cares and all those things. But uh, what's the right mix of physical versus virtual in that environment? You know, a person who wants to make a dinner reservation still doesn't want to call. They just want to go on their phone and make, make the reservation online. So is that person really going to, even if you're in a Walmart or you're in a CVS or in a a community-based retail space, are they going to do that or would they prefer that you come into their home, you know, like Netflix and Amazon Video and all of that, coming into, you know, to, to the devices that they use in their home. So really, how do we make this ab about everyday health? The other important part of that is that, you know, if we think about healthcare as healthcare versus sick care, it's important to remember that only one or two percent of the patient's determine what determines a patient's health occurs within the walls of a doctor's office or a hospital or a clinic. 98, 99% of it happens in the community and what goes on outside of there. So somehow we have to start to become a part of what you, you and I do every day, like what I ate for lunch, the choices I made, the, you know, whether or how much I'm walking, uh, am I sitting too much and, you know, sitting's a new smoking, like how, what are my habits, what am I eating and drinking? You know, all that, what kind of stress do I have in my life and so forth. And I know wearables try to get to some of that, but, but um, somehow we have to be more present in people's lives on a, a longer-term 
continuous basis than we are now. And then I think we have the levers that could really change health. Well, that makes sense. And so we're getting the wrap-up sign, so I, I don't want to be, I at least want to get the last two in in rapid fashion, so maybe 30 seconds or less. Okay. Book recommendation, Deserted Island album that you would like to take, and then we'll end the conversation. Okay, so book recommendation. I know this is very uh, un uncreative and unimaginative, but I, I read Bad Blood, the uh, Susan Holmes Theranos book, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, mostly around, oh my God, how could this happen? Uh, and how could people not see this coming? Uh, but it was an interesting study in, in human behavior. Let's just say that. And I, I thought it was a, a good read and one that was worth spending some time on my vacation next to the pool um, reading. Um, and then the album, I would ha it would have to be a Miles Davis vinyl. I need the, I need the recorder because, you know, I'd have to get the little scratches, the analog going on. I know that we're all about digital and we're all about this is wavelets and data packets and all that stuff. But I go to the analog, you know, 33 LP because I want enough time with Miles. And probably Miles at Four or, or one of those, you know, something with all blues and jazz. I'm, my family was a lot of jazz musicians. I played jazz for many years, so I'd have to have some Miles Davis. And I'm from St. Louis and Miles. The perfect you know, so. combo, and what better than to be able to expand your mind and just chill out. If you're on a deserted island, you probably want to be able to chill out a little bit, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, host of the What to Know podcast here live at Health2.0. I just spent some time talking to Stephen Lockhart, who is an MD and also the Chief Medical Officer of Sutter Health. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate the time. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash whattoknow.